Get ready to buckle up because on the She's Got Drag podcast, you remember that your brilliance is your birthright. Welcome back to another episode of She's Got Drive. It's Shirley McAlpine here as your host. I have had a week this week where I've really been pushing myself. If you follow me on social media, you may have seen a lot of new posts and different posts of me increasing my content. And that has been deliberate. I've been doing a challenge to really push myself to be creative, to show up, to get back in the game of social media and to grow my skill set and my creativity, my knowledge and my understanding about how it works, because it is how I grow the podcast, essentially, is how I expand my reach so more people know about she's got drive this is the primary one of the primary reasons why i'm on on social media that came back so really pushing myself and in this challenge that i was doing for like 14 days it really challenged my mind it was really it was stunning to me how much of it was one trying to figure out what's opposed when you're increasing the amount of content you're putting out what it led to a couple of key things for me was like one is how creative can you get (laughs) you know versus what you might always post so there's some new things I started to post see my outfit of the day for example regularly that I never used to post and in the past would feel uncomfortable with posting in fact it was just like why are you posting that so but I actually enjoy it I enjoy posting my outfit of the day another is like thinking about things that can be helpful around mental health around dealing with failure or getting stuck or getting unstuck those things I help my client with that we've certainly talked about on the podcast before in terms of like how do we get better at, at being in life and how do we create um, harmony for ourselves in our life so addressing things like that in videos or in various ways to put out to see how I could be helpful to people and if it sometimes when something comes across your feed and you think I absolutely needed to see that I absolutely needed to to hear that I wanted to create posts where there was like that and the other thing that's come comes up though is your conversation about let me say about myself my conversation about myself with the value of what I'm putting out is it helpful is it useful is it valuable will anybody care will anybody um, read listen to it and how that constant chatter can get in the way of what we're doing how that constant chatter like it really was like at some point super super loud like so that it interrupted what I my commitment that is just a microcosm of what happens in life if I look at my week and when I am working when I am with my at home being a mom being a wife when I am trying to think about how I can support my daughter at college or my son at school or being out in Chicago getting to know people building out my business it really doesn't matter which area of life it is we always have some self-talk we always have some conversations with ourselves about how we're doing and how we're not more importantly how we're not doing how we're not doing it right we're not getting it right we're not we're not nailing it whatever the phrase is and how much that gets in the way of us taking action 
how much that gets in the way of us taking action unless you have a commitment that is bigger than the self-talk and that you can do the work to get through it. It was astounding to me how in doing that, that challenge brought so much up and how much I had to get beyond myself and how and that one of the things we talked about before is but if you're new here one of the things around change and when you're trying to implement things and introduce something new that's important to remember is your supportive relationships are absolutely critical and that's having people in your camp who are either working on the same thing similar things who they can support you on it or who are figuring it out who are also trying to figure it out people who have done it before you who are experts in the field who can guide you and just like plain old like friends or family who are just there to support you not everyone is going to be supportive but you having a supportive structure so that when you are struggling like that when your mind is getting the better of you there are other people you can lean on to say this is I'm, a, I'm on the struggle bus this is not working this is I'm finding it hard whatever it is you can get beyond the self-talk get beyond if you can't get beyond it yourself that you can reach out and phone a friend literally phone a friend so the other side though is when you have gone beyond where you thought you could be when you have like when I was like outside of my comfort zone and kept it moving kept it pressing really understanding that your commitment can really get you into action I it's been a while since I put myself in in that intensive in that way I have intensive and work but in that way there was a lot of um lessons for me and so there might be something for you in your life where you have your your self-talk is on is turned up loud right now and you're doing lots of judging and assessing of yourself and instead of judging and assessing yourself go beyond it and take the action that you really want to take don't have the self-talk stop you from doing the thing that you really want doing the thing that you're committed to developing a skill that you want to develop whatever it is make sure that you're that you phone a friend if you can't get past it yourself, lean in, lean on a community of people who are going to hold you up and get you through. So I wanted to share that because it has been a week around that, but there's so many powerful insights um, there. And you'll see me showing up more, as I said, continue to show up more on She's Got Drive for the sake of She's Got Drive too. This week's episode, if you remember when we came back, I launched live at Recycled Modern. And Recycled Modern is owned by Shari Curry. She kindly hosted the She's Got Drive relaunch live. And we also had Leslie Robinson as well, who is the founder of the Black Beauty Collective. So I already posted Kim Lewis was our first episode back. And so this week we have the second part of that live I wanted to keep it for a bit later I didn't want to just post it straight off so we have Sherry a conversation with Sherry and Leslie that we did that night it was again fantastic conversation so it has that's what it has that sound of being live and you'll hear there's some questions that we take 
as well in the discussion. A fantastic interview. Sherry is doing phenomenal things for artists, black artists in um, Chicago and really uplifting their work and doing great work. And you'll hear from Leslie and what she's building and why it, why it's so important to expand the access to beauty products that are geared towards black and brown women that are owned by black and brown women it was again a fantastic conversation so it has that's what it has that sound of being live and you'll hear there's some questions that we take so she shares about that too it's a fantastic interview set of interviews together over to Sherry and Leslie Let's start by you introducing yourself. And is this all right? Is it working? Let me see. It's on. Yes, great, great, great. Testing, testing, testing. Um, if you start by sharing with us who you are and then what you do, and then like, we'll take it from there. I am Leslie Roberson. I am the CEO and founder of the Black Beauty Collective. The Black Beauty Collective is a hair and beauty retailer that features exclusively black owned brands. Cool. We will in a minute. We'll, take, we'll, he- we'll hear some more. Let's hear from you, Sherry, and then we. Hi, I'm Sherry Curry. I am the owner of Recycle Modern. It is a home decor art gallery and event lounge. Right, which we're sitting in right now. Oh, yeah. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is Welcome. the beautiful, the beautiful space. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start with like, what had you decide to like actual bricks and mortar businesses that's a whole world right <laughs> versus some people who have startup businesses which are like low-cost startup you went for something that is not that so I'm curious about what was it that you said like you woke up one day and you said this is what I want to do what I realized is there was a need I began seeing that there were discrepancies and um, access to capital which is what helps you fund like a lot of the things mm-hmm. that we were talking about to be able to scale a business and entrepreneurs in the beauty space really don't have anywhere to go you're either online 100% or you're trying to figure out how to get into a brick and mortar store and the leap is great to get there and so I decided to go brick and mortar and e-com because we also have an e-com platform to get these brands additional visibility there are some amazing products out there but you're only in your local market you're hyper local and doing exceptionally well but the ability to scale outside of that market is really difficult without funding and so essentially we launched with 50 six black owned brands that are across the United States. And if you're in a small town in Kansas, now you're in a Chicago in a retail store gaining an entire different uh, population of customers. And so that's why I decided to go um, retail. That's fantastic. Now, I know that one of the, you did a campaign to like get those um, businesses to get to know you to show up, right? You had this like, you did a whole road show. I did. I completely did a roadshow. And that's where my background in talent acquisition comes comes into play. I previously worked for Wayfair um, on logistics side and it's volume recruiting. How do you talk to tons of people and get in front of as many people as humanly possible? And so what I decided to do was initially I posted an ad on Instagram and I just simply took a picture of the store. Hey, we have this show space. If you're a black owned business in a beauty space, grab some time on my calendar. 
And like two days later, my calendar was like booked for like two months from like 9 a.m. to like 6 p.m., 45 minute time slots, and it was gone. Like it was crazy. And so I was like, there's no way I can keep up with this pace because I'm only one human. So I decided to go on the road. And so I went to visit seven cities and I just made announcements and I announced it on Instagram like, hey, I'm coming to your city. I'll be in Houston this weekend. And I grabbed a space, invited entrepreneurs in, and they actually showed up. And I was pretty impressed with the fact that they showed up. And it's because of the opportunity to be able to scale into mm -hmm. retail, it really just doesn't exist on this level, and gain additional support, because that's really what it is, is retail is wonderful, but the idea of going into retail and having marketing support, PR support, social media support, and not that we do it for the entrepreneur, we become an extension of what they're already doing, because I actually don't have like a product line. So all the advertising, all the marketing we do at the Black Beauty Collective is to drive customers and traffic into the space. And so it's to be able to truly support the entrepreneur. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Um, it, it speaks to the need. I love how, how so many, if I think about the conversation that there is around, is that in the mainstream, Yeah. is that there's a shortage of talent or there's a shortage of businesses or there's a shortage of entrepreneurship or there's a shortage. There's always from a shortage versus from what's possible or what's available. And, the, and, the, and we know that black women are the fastest growing number of businesses that start, that may not scale, but that certainly start. Absolutely. Um, so with my background in talent acquisition, I've worked for a lot of the larger companies. And what I did was I diversified teams. I looked for the untapped markets of talent and helped gain and align them with the roles in these organizations. Because it's not that you can't, you have a role and you're like, well, I, we, we met everybody we could and we just couldn't find any diverse talent to fill these roles. It's not that. It's like you're not going to the right places where these people are to be able to align them with the opportunity and so what I specialize in truly was I diversified teams and so I'm taking a very similar approach with the Black Beauty Collective mm -hmm. but I'm taking it on an industry level and saying hey black people only represent 2.5 percent of the brands out there we spend 6.6 .6 billion though wow. and so here it is we spend all this money but we're not reaping the benefits as business owners and entrepreneurs so because of our we're almost invisible in the space because we don't have capital to push ourselves to the forefront and so like like how do you begin to solve for X? And in my very own way, I'm helping from a social impact solve for X by allowing entrepreneurs to come into this space and then taking us as I activate the brand into places like uh, Martha's Vineyard or Essence or the places where you're gonna find a different population of black people that are gonna buy and support the brand. And a lot of times we just don't have access to that because it's costly to go to like a Martha's Vineyard and a small mm -hmm. business that's trying to scale, you, do that. you may not be able to do that. And so, but as a collective, though, we can. Now you have 56 brands. They are a part of this initiative, and it becomes a strong message because it's 99.9% .9 black women. And so companies and organizations that are interested in partnering, it starts to look different because we're not coming as an individual asking, but we're coming as a group of people asking for additional support and resources. Great. So let's um, turn to you, Sherry. Hi. Well, how'd you hide? <laughs> Um, so I remember walking into your store um, in Lakeview in the pandemic. We knew each other, but we had never seen each other's face because we 
because we were her wearing masks. Do you remember that? For like a year. I didn't know how Dan looked. You didn't know how Dan looked <laughs> to the point you didn't even recognize him when right. he didn't when he took his mask off. Right. So, um, what had you start start your the vision that you had for your for your gallery store? So my background is event planning. I plan events for different type of sectors, whether it be CPS being one of my clients um, and fundraising for nonprofits. And I built a relationship with some artists um, and they became friends of mine. So that's one piece. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I bought a home, I was shopping around and I've always loved like, I've always had like a passion for like vintage shopping, home decor, like, Anything that was like really unique and different, mm -hmm. whether it be custom or vintage, like I gravitated towards those spaces. I gravitated towards those spaces, but I did not see me in those spaces. I did not see something that was approachable for me, and I didn't see the the approachable nature to like shopping for art, shopping for furniture. So it wasn't approachable for me because I didn't see myself in it. Right. And so I started, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to shop. Like my family, um, my grandfather used to, um, fixed typewriters, he had a business in Louisiana, so they migrated to Chicago um, and lived right down the street from where my shop was. And so um, I started off doing pop-ups throughout the city and during the pop-ups, I was like, how can I make this different? How can I make this me? How can I make this unique? And how can I put all of the things that I love and my passions together and make it an approachable way that I can like present to the community I want to serve? And so I decided to like gravitate towards my artist friends and I asked them hey do you want to like be a part of this collective of vintage and handcrafted furniture my brother-in-law he crafted um, dining tables I'm like hey let me pull him in let me pull all of these people in that I knew had these different um, crafts mm -hmm. and I can actually use my skill as bringing people together and actually make something cool and functional and approachable so I started doing pop-ups throughout the city of Chicago and in 2018 I was like I'm tired I'm tired of lugging furniture around <laughs> <laughs> So let me find a so space. So you're literally lugging furniture around when you yes. say a pop-up. So yes. I didn't realize, because when you think pop-up, I don't actually imagine every moving so, furniture. Yes. Whether okay. it be Randolph Street Market, whether it be right. Vintage Garage, whether it be a high, the High Park Flea Market, all these different spaces, or like coming into a space like um, Connect and actually bringing my furniture and lugging all the furniture that I either um, assisted in making or found and sourced, going to all these different estate sales, um, going to reupholsters, like going to different artists and visiting them. So all of this process, it was all this process that I did and I'm actually literally have, have a, a rented a U-Haul um, every time to lug this furniture there. So I didn't have a large car to do any of this things, this this stuff. Right. With. So I'm like, you know, just rent a U-Haul for 20 bucks. It, it was never $20. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. Never, um, $20. never, never 20 bucks. And so I started doing pop-ups throughout the city and people were asking me like, I love this vibe. And I would always like bring music where I, I love music. And so I always would bring music where I was. And so I'm like, okay, so I need a space, but I cannot afford a space but I need a space mm -hmm. and so I started like searching around and trying to figure out like finding a space where 
I felt like I could tell my story um, through real estate and through like what I wanted to create. And um, I don't know if you guys know, like my grandparents lived on the north side of Chicago, but that was like very unheard of. And it was like a very diverse, but like um, unwelcoming space to be in, uh, mm -hmm. in Lincoln Park, and they moved there. And I wanted to actually build a bridge between cultures. I had this whole little thing, like I was like, yeah, I'm gonna build bridges between cultures, and, like diversify this neighborhood. That didn't happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I started, I found this space, it was a little small, a, a thousand square feet space with like amazing windows, um, mm -hmm. floor to ceiling windows, and um, I was like, this is it. This is the space I want to be in. It's right down the street from my mom, where my, gr my mom grew up. Um, and I want to start here. And then I started like doing events with a different artist in the different spaces. Mm -hmm. And I wanted it to be more approachable in a community and bringing people together that way. So that's where I started. And then um, last year, um, I was approached by the University of Chicago asking, they asked if I did an accelerator program. And I was like, hey, what do you need from us? And I'm like, why do you keep asking me? So I'm like, okay, space. And so they were like, actually, we do have something available. And so I looked at the space and I remembered one of the first pop-ups that I had done was actually outside of my the High Park location. Literally, I set up shop outside of this space and I'm like, okay, this is just a sign that mm. I just need to just move to the south side of Chicago. I'm from the south side of Chicago. So if I'm telling my story, I'm bringing it back home. So that's the way that I started Recycle Modern. Mm. I've never heard this story <laughs> like that. Um, I'm wondering about when you say you're bringing it back home, what, is it, what does that elicit for you? Because you had this connection with your... Was it your grandmother? You said My your mom. mother mm -hmm. in the north on the north side. So what is it when it? What does it bring up for you when you say? Because it felt there was something in the way that you said it, and you're bringing it back home. So High Park has always been this space where it was like um, I'm from Inglewood, the south side of Chicago, um, and that's. I wanted to do both. I wanted to have a space up north and I wanted to have a space, mm -hmm. but it wasn't conducive to one person. Um, and so I decided to focus, this is doing so well, and I'm like, let's just focus on this. Um, that means I wanted to bring, I wanted to be a part of community that understood what I was doing. Instead of right. trying to create a community um, that really I had to work a lot harder to create that community. I still did it. It just took a lot longer than I wanted it to mm -hmm. take. But as soon as I moved to High Park, um, they understood the story. They understood everything that I was trying to do. And I was welcomed very well by the university, the Black Club, um, Black Club Chicago, like uh, the High Park Herald. All of these people just kept coming in and Chicago Magazine, like all these people like in droves understood what I was trying to do mm. with collectively bringing um, mu uh, music, art, community, home decor in one space and having it in an approachable way. It feels like it's really interesting because sometimes we take a route where there's so much struggle. Yeah. And then it's like you don't always have to take you the struggle bus. You yeah. can just have it be easy. Er. <laughs> it's not easy. Easier. <laughs> It's yeah. not easy, easier, yes. easier. Um, as, as when you look at your what your both of your journeys um, today, what are you learning and discovering about yourself? 
Yeah, you can go first. <laughs> She's looking. You can be go first. Yeah, Leslie, what you do, what you learning and discovering about yourself? What am I learning and discovering about myself? I would say I'm really insistent, and I and I've known that about myself, but in this space that I've been catapulted in, I find myself being even more insistent because I feel like I'm so responsible for so many people now. And so I can't mm -hmm. accept the no the same way that I would have accepted the no as an individual. Mm -hmm. And so I have to push until I get the yes because it'll impact so many people. Mm -hmm. And so I, I'm noticing about myself that there is not an opportunity that I will miss. And I'm insistent on it. And so, because I know that one yes could change the lives of a lot of folks. So yeah. Um, I have a lot more grit and tenacity than I thought I did. Um, I knew I had grit, but I didn't understand what that meant um, until I was like, I dove into this space of like entrepreneurship and I have a lot more patience. That's what I'm learning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then I, um, yeah, and a lot of people depend on my patience to like get things done and my approach to communicating with, there's like 26 different artists in here. There's 26 different personalities in here. Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, there's a lot of responsibility in the space in like bringing people together and what it takes to bring people together in community with art, home decor, and events and collaboration. So all of those pieces takes a lot of grit, tenacity, and it's a lot of patience because a lot of people are depending on me and I'm depending on myself to like succeed and I have so much, you know, more to give. Um, and my patience, I had to like sit back and allow my patience to, to, to shine through versus like trying to do all of these things at once. It's like you're growing, but you're catching up at the same time, mm -hmm. but like allowing yourself to sit back and have the patience to like allow yourself to grow where you're supposed to grow mm -hmm. is what I'm learning about me. When you think about your future and where you'll take both take, because what, what's really interesting is both of you are, are creating this um, ecosystem, whether it be artists or beauty, and you have this vision, I'm wondering what, like what's the future? If you had to like fast forward to the future that you're creating and it's done, like we're there, we're sitting in there and it's, you've created like this vision, it's fulfilled, what is that? Like, I can see where you are now. Like, I'm curious, like, what does it look like when, you're, when we've arrived somewhere, wherever that somewhere is? So for me, arrival will feel like, I so saw my business is structured in twofold. So we have the entrepreneur. And so when I feel like I've arrived, I can look back over the members of the collective and they can see that their ROI, they've accomplished whatever their goals are, whether it's to scale outside of the Black Beauty Collective, to scale with the Black Beauty Collective, they can see their customer base has grown. They've accomplished the things that they have wanted to accomplish and they have, they, I've, I've made a social impact, right? Because now if you have capital coming in, that means that you can grow your team. That means that you can create jobs for other people. You have wealth coming in, right? So on that side of the house, that is my measurement of success. And then for customers, I'm creating a space that is inclusive of the black consumer. And a lot of people don't know this. A lot of times we go into spaces where you really can't ask a lot of questions about your hair 
there. You have to do all your research ahead of time because no one's available to answer any questions. They just don't know. And it's from a hiring perspective because you haven't hired the people that can that is knowledgeable. And so I'm creating a space where the melanated customer with the textured hair feels valued and they're seen. And we have people that can answer baseline questions. And so what long term, what I envision happening is that we'll have a community of people that'll come to us and look to us for answers and that say what's trending, what's hot, um, what new products are out. I want to buy, I, you know, I'm originally from Ghana. Are there new products that are launching there? And we're like that community base outside of just the entrepreneur, the products that we offer, but we are a large community where people feel valued, long story short. Mm -hmm. And so once I arrive there, I'll feel like I've made it somewhere. Mm -hmm. I've done something. I mean, I have the real goals, 10 stores and this and that, you know, the numbers, the data behind it. But those things matter. But I think that if you have the community piece and the support of the people that are following, those things will just come, you know. So that's my measure of success. That's great. As you were sharing it, one of the memories that's come up for me is um, way back being in London and uh, trying to find like some makeup. Mm -hmm. And I remember this is like, there's this store called Boots. It's like Boots the Chemist, it's kind of like a Walgreens. And uh, and I remember walking in, they, they'd launched this like, um, in, in Boots, they'd for the first time launched this um, brand where their own brand where they, where you had for, for black skin, right? So I was like, I went into the Marble Arch store, this is on Oxford Street, and I was like, I'm gonna go in and get it. And then they said, well, it's not in this store. And I was like, this is the flagship store on Oxford Street. I went to the one that I thought was. So they said, well, you've got to go to the other store. Which one's that? Well, the one that's at Oxford Circus. So then off I trot down Oxford Circus. So get to the Oxford Circus store, and they said, well, it's not in this store. And I literally went the, the length of Oxford Circus. And I remember getting more and more and more upset to the point of just like, I do not want to have to traipse all the way down. And it's the equivalent of like the whole length of the Magnificent Mile, wow. trying to find a freaking piece of it. And then I get, and you get into this point of just like, I remember almost being in tears and then being upset that I was in tears. Do you know what I mean? It's like, why am I so upset? Why am I so upset? So I really like, that's, I've not thought about that for a long time, but then that, the experience of walking into a place and then finding what you need and really being looked after. Yeah, it's invaluable. Yeah. I think on average, if I remember the data correctly, according to McKinsey, black consumers have to drive, I think on average, 27 minutes further than our counterparts to find the products that we need. And then when you get there, the likelihood of anyone actually being able to answer questions or assist you is like, point something percentage. It's kind of ridiculous, the numbers and the data. But here it is, black consumers spend so much in the beauty industry. And not only that, we're the trendsetters, but yet we're not catered, not even, I wouldn't even say catered to, but considered. And so we're overlooked oftentimes in our in hiring practices and things of that nature. And just accessibility to products. And so I, I come from Neighborville. I've been living out in the suburbs of Chicago. I lived there for a long time and I recently moved in, but access to product 
the kind of products that I would want to buy is like few and far in between. You have to travel over to the next town over to find the products that you're looking for. And it's that kind of experience. And so or you become like, oh, I'll just buy it offline. But a lot of times for our hair textures, we need to touch and feel the products, especially if you're natural. And depending on, you have to do a little bit more work, which is why the Black Beauty Collective is great. It's because we have samples and you can test things in the store. And so it's just the buying habits of these this particular population of customers that I feel like has been overlooked. And that's what we're pushing for in the Black Beauty Collective is to create a space where those customers feel valued and they feel seen. Not because we're doing anything way out of the way, but because I'm hiring people that will ask the questions, that understand textured hair, that understand melanated mm -hmm. skin, they have a background. I have estheticians and cosmetologists that work in the store and they, they'll be able to answer questions. They're trained to be able to answer the questions. Yeah. How about you? What's the future? What you where? What does it look like when you're there? Um, I don't know when I get there. No. <laughs> <laughs> it looks bright. No, those are like. Um, so the future for me is definitely large scale structures in expanding on the concept of what Recycle Modern is, meaning building a brick and mortar um, in other spaces and other communities, to underserved communities, because mm -hmm. I, um, so the makers in here are already underserved. So building up a community that's underserved as well and making your own community within that community. Mm -hmm. So which means um, building a structure that um, my artists and my makers can have their own space to call their home and call like this is where I am and this is the community that I'm part of and expanding on that. Mm. Well, that's like the, the, look, you talked about coming back home. It's like creating home, right? It's creating it, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like present home. Mm -hmm. Can I ask you, like, can I get a little bit more personal um, into like your background a bit around you growing up? I'm wondering if like what's, if you look in your past and, and what you learned as you were growing up and your experiences as growing up, what do you think is the source of, of who you are today and, and what you're creating? Where does that come from? Do you want to say again? Should I say again? Yes. Um, <laughs> um, so when you think about your past and, and who you are, who you were as you growing up, what do you think is the source of source of like your success now or the things that you're doing now? What are the things that's been that's been the driver for you, but it's rooted in your family or in your in your early years? Uh, I grew up we grew up poor. It's um, it's myself. I have four sisters or three sisters. It's four girls. I am the third. My mother was a single parent, and so had to go after all the things that we wanted. I had to work exceptionally hard, and so I have a lot of grit, a lot of patience, a lot of tenacity, and I've also been in a place where I, I saw something I wanted, but the journey to get there felt so far and impossible, mm. and. I know what that is, and I've also accomplished. I've accomplished tons of things over my life. Like this is like, if I explain to all, all the things I've accomplished in this life, you'd be like, what? Because I'm so like, I push. And so 
what I want to give to other entrepreneurs who have this business idea or this product line and they're trying to push and they feel like the journey is going to be impossible to get to the end goal, I just want to help them a little bit move some of the hurdles out of the way. Mm -hmm. Because I wish somebody could have moved some of the hurdles out of my way. And so, because I probably would have been able to move a lot faster if, if they had. And so, that the way that I grew up has formed just how insistent, persistent, that grit that I have, mm -hmm. that drive that I have, and the way that I view goals, like there's a goal, and everything I do between here and that goal, I'll, I'll, I'll move every hurdle out the way, I'll jump over them, I'll do this. And so because I'm that way, I figured if I charge forward, I could probably take a couple of entrepreneurs with me while I do it. Right. And so that's, that's what pushes me. Nice. Nice. Whew. Okay, background, grew up in Inglewood. Yes, we grew up very poor. Uh, but there was um, a few people who, although we grew up in a space, it's seven of us, um, and I'm the baby girl, but not, there's two younger ones that I call my kids. Um, <laughs> inside joke for my family. Um, <laughs> and so I grew up in a community though. So I grew up, mm -hmm. although we were poor in this space, it really didn't feel like it because there was so much community, mm -hmm. so much love. Um, we understood where we were, but I always knew that this was not supposed to be where I was. Um, it's nothing wrong with it because I enjoyed my childhood. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoyed the community that I was in, whether that be my family, being a huge family that we were about, we like, and we help and support. We can't even have like a, a splinter in our nose without somebody knowing about it. Right. So that's how helpful our family is, and it's a strong family unit. Um, and I was, that's. That's what that's what drives me. Um, and then there was this woman who uh, it was two women um, owners on the corner of our block. One owned a candy store, the owned, the other owned like a resale store. Store, mm -hmm. and those two women hired my entire family um, at different spaces in our lives to do things and to to work in their spaces mm. and like they poured so much love and so much community into us um, that it gave me the mindset that, and I'm I'm always a dreamer. My mom was like, why do you dream so, so big? <laughs> um, it just gave me the energy to, to, the energy and the notion to know that I can actually achieve anything. There's nothing that was impossible. I, I never knew the end of where I was going. It's like, this is what I want to do. I didn't know how I was going to get there. There was no steps that I took because I always just kind of like dove in and just like I dove in and figured it out. Mm -hmm. So I'm swimming because I can't sink. And then allowing myself to fail and allowing myself to pick myself back up and like achieve small goals, milestones to where I understand that this is my journey. I know where I'm supposed to be going and I will know when I get there. I'm not there yet, but my journey isn't over and it's gonna continue until mm -hmm. in my head is settled that I'm gonna get there. Mm. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, yeah that was <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, that was it feels like so interesting. One of the things for me, like, so I've been a coach for 
many years. I've been doing this work for over 30 years. And the thing for me is when I'm listening to people, it's like I get this image, I get this image around them. I feel like it's like that woman is like behind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like just oh, like gently just pushing mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And that's what came to me as you were sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, that she's just like always there, just like. It's the tr- Tracy um, is one of them. She's amazing. Um, and then. After I grew up, I found other mentorships and I was never afraid to like have a conversation or like go into a space like, oh my God, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? Can you be my mentor? And for some reason, people was like, yes. And I'm like, oh wait, you're saying yes yeah. to me. Okay, let's go. So yeah, you're, you're right. It's like, it's pushing me to towards another person and like I'm guided in a certain mm-hmm. way that I manifest where I'm supposed to be going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I switch it up to this? Ask one of the questions that I, there's a couple of questions that I always want to ask my guests. And one is like, I, I asked this of Kim. Has it been, if you think about a courageous moment for you in your life, what was that? What has been a courageous moment for you? And then what, what, what was it? And then, and then what was the outcome? What choice did you make? Courageous. Everything I do, I think, is courageous. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is courageous. Oh, um, being on your own, like, my livelihood depends on me. Um, other people's livelihood depends on, it depends on me. So I think that's courage in itself. Um, and for me, it's allowing myself I have the courage to allow myself to fail and to feel and understand what that failure meant. It does not mean that you're not supposed to succeed from that. Mm -hmm. It means that this is a moment this just doesn't work. Um, And allowing my, my courage is allowing myself to fail and get back up and just doing something again and realizing that I can do it again. That's Mm -hmm. for me. It reminds me of that the, the that definition of success is like going from failure to failure to failure without losing faith in, in yeah like enthusiasm yeah. right that yeah. you just and you can't play you can't play big and expect not to fail I mean in the moment yeah. when you're failing it doesn't feel like it, it does not right? it feels like that's like a delusion yeah it's just like you know to think that you're gonna play big and yes. not fail at some point is like yeah how about you uh, I would say. I don't know, because I feel like I my whole existence, I've, I've had a lot of courage. I am one of those people that is, um, like, I'm everything that I didn't, wasn't taught or didn't, wasn't molded to be. Right. And so to jump out here, like, the things I've accomplished, and even being an entrepreneur, and the, the structure of this business is, is unique in itself, because... So I rent show space to the entrepreneurs, which is not new in itself at all, but they get 100% of their retail sales back, which is something that is different than what you find in the marketplace. And lots of people told me that I was nuts for doing it because I would be driving this robust marketing strategy and all these things, and you should charge for this, that, and the third. And, and these are people that I admire that are, you know, have been in different industries and have amazing backgrounds. But I said no, because my mission is to really support the entrepreneur. And so the only, only way they're gonna get a leg up is if I decide that 
I'll put myself at second on this and make them my, the entrepreneur my customer, not the consumer that buys product, but my skin in the game is the success of the entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so, right, so I, I shifted the approach to the, in the way that I structured it. So even in that, it was kind of like this, like, uh, but you know what I mean? And I'm like, usually I'm like, come strong. I either go home or go, you know, go hard or go home kind of human. And so when I finally did send it out, it was interesting because I had all these brands and these weren't like small brands. These are bigger brands that were like, let's put some time on the counter and chat. I love what you're doing. And so it was this like, okay, I got it right, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once I posted that ad, and I, I mean, at this point, I've probably met since October, I've probably met over 500 entrepreneurs easily. And so 500 black owned small businesses, not just in the United States, from Ghana and UK and all over the globe at this point where entrepreneurs are interested in just chatting with me and picking my brain about things or pitching out ideas or just like, oh my God, I love this, I have to meet you kind of deal. And so it was, it felt courageous even for me to even step into this space. Mm -hmm. It's just, and, and, and not just into the space, but the way that I'm stepping right. into the space. To do it differently. Yeah. To kind of go against the norm. Yeah, yeah, to go against what everybody else thought that I should yeah. do and how I should manage this business, but yeah. to just decide that this is what I'm gonna do. And so my mother would always be like, oh, how stubborn I am, but I guess I am, and it works. <laughs> it works. Shall we open up the floor to see if we've got any questions? Has anyone got a question for Leslie and Sherry? Yes. Um, where the idea was planted and I mean, all nonsense aside, like if I'm straight, I decided that this is what I was going to do probably like last year, maybe around the end of May. So it hasn't even been like a full year yet where mm -hmm. could, where I literally thought like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And literally the store opened April 8th and we got 56 entrepreneurs. We have the application is currently open where we're looking for more. And literally I have like another 60 applicants and we still got a few more weeks before it closes. Like, so the, the growth, the, the desire for people to come in is, is just there, the appetite. And so five years from now, we'll probably be looking at um, the goal is 10 stores, because if you think 10 stores, that means that if you're a small business, you're in Chicago and you're in 10 major metropolitan cities, that means that your customer base is growing and you're introducing these products into different markets. So by 2026, the goal is 20, 10 stores actually. So we're looking at our next stores in Brooklyn before the end of the year will be open. So we're taking these brands and scaling them into the a beauty capital, right? And so we're getting them aligned with resources if they're, they're not ready yet. We're aligning them with the resources to be able to get there. And so the goal is to help some of these brands prepare for the next market, not to just take them into the next market. And so five years from now, we'll probably have over 10 stores easily. Uh, some of our brands would have gotten VC funding. They would have gotten, been able to scale into bigger box stores. Um, our customer base will be there in terms of looking to the Black Beauty Collective as like an opportunity to find out what's trending, what's happening. We'll have 
have a large, um, our, the collective, uh, we have a, an online publication that we're going to push out and we're going to get writers for all that jazz. And so that'll be an existing, that'll be trending. So I have all of these ambitions will be like the, the space for, especially for young black professionals without, because a lot of times our, our avenues and opportunities are limited because of network, things of that nature. So the goal is to be able to create a space for young professionals to be able to come and, and, and grab their wings, you know, get some experience under their belt. And so for us, for us to be that to like HBCUs and people who are like, I want to be a journalist, I want to write for beauty, like where do I go, how do I start, us to become that. And or even like my beauty advisors, my team, they're cosmetologists, they're estheticians, they're young in their career. They're aligning themselves with makeup artists that are on sets of, of, of Netflix, Netflix shows, things of that nature, because we have some great folks in the store in terms of business owners. But imagine you're just coming out of school and you get an opportunity to now work under a MUA or a makeup artist that's on a Netflix show, just like that. And so what it's really doing is creating a network. And so it gives access. So what we're doing is using this as a platform because it has so many eyes and so visible and it's such a positive initiative to help others just kind of to springboard. And so that's the that's what it is. That's the recruiter in me. Like, how do you build out your resume? What do you do? How do you get a, become in alignment? And so that's what the goal. Five years from now, I want to be all of those things. Right. But you, Sherry? Five years? Do I have to look that far? <laughs> <laughs> support systems. I think because I'm, I come from a very large family, I am always like sitting like, hey, can you help me at the job? So one of them is actually here today. <laughs> Two, actually. Um, I can always send a text message. So my support system has always been grounded. That part. And then I have introduced myself to other women entrepreneurs that look like me or are doing something similar to what I want to do um, and surrounded myself around that. So both, I would say I go after my support system. I understand who I'm surrounding myself around. And then I, it's like ready built in because I have a large family. I love that for you. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really do because I have like the complete opposite journey. I don't have a strong support system. I literally it's and I say this but it's been me and God for a really long time. It's straight up. If I'm like a hundred percent, that's how if people ask me like how have you been successful this successful? I'm like it's just me and God. We rock it. And I because I've been out in the world a long time by myself and I've had to just decide that I wanted to accomplish certain things. I made that a conscious decision and I ran after it. And so I don't have a, a robust, I don't, I'm not, I haven't had any mentors either. Like I, what I do, what the way that I learn, I look at what other people are doing and I decide like, oh, they're doing this really well. I like this. I'm going to grab that. Oh, they're not, not doing that that great. I'll keep, let them have it, you know, kind of deal. And I pull those pieces in and that's how I've, that's how I've developed a lot of my skills and just how to be. Um, <laughs> Something most people don't know about me is, oh, I guess I don't like public speaking. <laughs> You're doing like right about now. <laughs> oh, I'm mortified. At this You're doing great. Yes, no that would probably be. Okay. A, yeah, I'm very, I'm a lot more introverted. Um, 
ish um, than most people think. I like to be in the background and allow people to like shine and want to, you know, be back here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. What about you, Leslie? I love all things outdoors. Like, I like to hike. I'll kayak. I was actually, I served in the Army, actually, some years. And so I I love all the outdoorsy things. I'm all over it. I've hiked in, in like, 16 states. Anytime I take a trip, I go find somewhere to go hiking. Oh, nice. Um, As a child, I was... Crybaby. I can see that. that. (laughs) A crybaby and a spoiled brat. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was inquisitive. If there was anything I didn't understand, I would like like if there was like something that worked and then I didn't understand how it worked, I would take it apart and then I would figure out how it worked and then I would try to put it back together. Or like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, like I would find them and put them in a jar so I can watch the process because I wanted to see it happen. So I was extremely inquisitive. I watched a lot of documentaries, all that jazz. I was that kid. Read a lot. I love to like just learn and to learn about the environment. Mm-hmm. Right. I would have just cried. <laughs> Please don't cry. All the time. One of my superpowers is? Ooh, my ability to deliver bad news and not make you feel bad and make you feel like you can still become like president. And that comes from, like, literally. It is talent. <laughs> That comes from my background as a recruiter because, you know, I have these amazing jobs. People, like, are so, like, enthusiastic about the opportunity that I have to deliver this bad news. Mm -hmm. But I have to deliver it in a way where they know they'll go on and get an amazing opportunity. That is the superpower. Right. So for me, it's bringing community together. People, Mm. like, I, I, I feel like because I was an emotional person, I understand emotions very well. Mm-hmm. And I am um, aware of that. And um, so I'd like to bring people together in a way that they feel comfortable and it's approachable. And any and everybody can come to me and they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bringing community together is me. Well, um, it's been a lovely journey that we have been on this evening. And the journey that you're on, like such an important journey, like you're both in creating these collectives these spaces and these communities that are so needed and you know sometimes where we don't even know that we need it you know so I want to thank you for creating community for the what you're taking on to which is big and um, I really appreciate you sharing your stories with us this evening as well it's been a pleasure and you're an amazing host yes thank you for having us thank you thank you And that brings us to the end of another inspiring episode of She's Got Drive. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I was having with Shari and Leslie and um, the insights that came from that. It was really interesting for me to have, when when Leslie was talking, to have that memory of something that happened so long ago about trying to get makeup for me and having to go out of my way in the main high street in Oxford Street. It's, the, it's like the main high street, uh, shopping street in London, one of the main high streets, shopping areas in London. 
and and having to like trek the length of that to try and find a foundation for me that memory the fact that we have the situation we have many 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 more products that's available to us but we still have to have this conversation about access is wild really in 2023 but i'm glad that leslie is at work at doing something about it and increasing the opportunities for black and brown business owners to access this billion dollar market the beauty market that exists so that's fantastic but it's really interesting to see the impact that those things have on us and i'm sure that you've got your own stories about that you've got your own stories about and don't even get me started on when I was at school in a school play and the makeup that they put on me let's not even that's for another day because that I'm sure I'm not the only one who's who had some trauma from that so there's insights and experiences that that Leslie and um, Shari shared in this episode really embody the drive and determination that we celebrate in this show Shari is like so amazing and so generous and and really is someone who uplifts others and is really making her mark um particularly in chicago i'm sure and i'm sure beyond and so being watching her as she's growing her 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 business and her brand is also just inspiring to see so thank you so much for joining us on this episode of she's got drive Remember, if you found it valuable and empowering to share the show and like and review it, be sure to subscribe so it automatically downloads on your um, on your phone, so either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any favorite. It's available on on many platforms like YouTube as well. She's Got Drive is produced by Cassandra Voltolina. Our beautiful song is written written and sang by the wonderful Satoria Key, where you can download her song at she's got drive um, website the link is in the show notes remember together we're building a community of empowered women who are living their best lives pursuing their dreams and unleashing their drive so let's spread the word and inspire others to join us on this incredible journey keep driving towards your dreams and i will see you next week bye